When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet rope let's just get right into it today because we are joined by actress of the movies now tv stage an author a mother a professor lots of other monikers and personally i say icon the one and only miss ali sheedy hello thank you thank you for all the monikers love it listen you deserve them all what is going on how are you today I'm good. I'm happy to be talking to you. It's, are you in New York also? I'm in New York. Yes, I live in New York. It's cold. Me too. It's cold out, right? And we're just here plugging along this winter. Yes. Living in my kitchen, living on Zoom. Pretty much. Pretty much live in the kitchen on Zoom. There's like a little desk set up here. And this is, this is where I am. Isn't it funny how like, especially in New York, like you got to figure out your proper Zoom angle. And like, I've gone through so many bad ones. I'm like, I think I'm like, okay, I finally got something that is kind of okay for me. I teach and I teach online. So I had already figured out as a professor, I don't want anybody looking at my apartment, right? So I had already figured out there's this one blank wall and I've set up my table with all my stuff. It's my desk in the kitchen. So the kitchen has now become the workroom, but this is, these are the times we live in. I love it. And it's such a time of New York. It's like New York living. Well, listen, I cannot wait. I have to tell you, as we were just saying before we went on air, single drunk female, this new show, Freeform, I literally love this show. I really do. So glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I love it too. I'm not just saying that, like, just because you're here, but it's really a great show. So I would like to talk all about it. But before we get there, looking okay. back, let's look back for a minute. You know, your first film, Bad Boys, does that seem like another lifetime? Who is that girl? Or do you have, like, really vivid memories from starting out in this business? 
I have vivid memories of bad boys because I absolutely loved Sean Penn. Love, I really did. And just from working with him, I learned a lot. Um, it was a, it was a wonderful experience on that movie. It was my first movie. So I was just trying to take everything in as much as I could, but thank God I had him there, you know, was there just, wa- I just watch him. I just watch him work. Was there like one overriding thing that you learned from Sean Penn? I think it's mostly about the way that he just, he lives in every moment, you know, as soon as, you know, he's very interior or he was back then like very internal, but when the, when he's on the set, he's always, always, always in the space of that character. Um, And the moment a camera goes on, he's just, every single moment is so authentic and honest and he's just living it um, from moment to moment. I mean, he does things differently every single time and he's inventive and he's lovely. Um, I was just, I was just a little bit in awe and just watching the way that he handled himself and his work on set because it was my first time. And that's not a bad person to work with on your first movie. Right? Amazing. Yeah. Seriously. Well, after that, in the 80s, you were so busy, you know, Breakfast Club, St. Almost Fire, War Games, Short Circuit. I mean, you were working like nonstop. What was that time like other than being extremely busy? Um, It was fun. I was very, very happy. Uh, I loved the group um, of actors that I fell in with um first it was some actors because I went to the BFA program at USC um and then as I was working I didn't know anybody in LA I'm from New York but I started to make friends with everyone I was working with on the set and um I loved it I loved working I love uh the whole day at work um I love learning about the camera and how this whole thing works and um going from job to job, it was just all a very exhilarating time. Um, but I was, I, was, I was pretty much filled with joy. <laughs> Whenever I was at work, I was, I was extremely happy and at peace with myself. That's good. Well, you were working mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, so many people obviously get into the business for the work, like to act. But then, I mean, where do you, you know, then we have this thing called fame, so to speak. So where did you, you know, when did you first, I guess, realize, you know, you were famous and like this whole identity, like, when did that kind of strike you of like, wait, like I'm, I mean, you were from New York, you knew what you were getting into, but when did that kind of hit you? Um, it was, there was a lag time. It was not right away. Um, I, I think I, I knew that, that war games was a big success, but at that time, all the way through the 80s uh, in L.A., I did not watch television ever. Um, I didn't read magazines. I didn't anything that any Hollywood type of magazines. I didn't purposely. I, I was never that I never really did anyway in my life. But at that point, I, I wanted to stay away from it. I just wanted to be able to figure out how to have a life and just focus on work and not think about all the extra stuff that was going on. So once in a while, something would happen and it would strike me. Um, wow. I, <laughs> I guess, I guess we're really, we're all getting really, really famous. Um, I didn't realize how much of a thing it was until the Brat Pack article came out. And that was just a huge, horrible kind of explosion. Um, at that point I realized, wow, that uh, 
for some reason, this, this thing is really taking off and people talking about it, it's becoming a thing, a thing. Um, I think that was when I first realized that we had all gotten very famous, believe it or not. Wow. I mean, so do you look back to that time when you weren't reading like the articles and like that must've been peaceful in a sense, you were just focusing on the work? Yeah, it was a conscious choice. It wasn't that I used to watch, you know, shows about Hollywood people. It's not like I made the change. It's just that I just stayed with what I had always done. Um, I thought probably it's going to be better sanity wise to not pay a lot of attention. I had lived a very, very quiet life. I didn't go to parties and hang out with people. Um, I lived in various places that were way outside of Hollywood. Um, and I, I just tried to, uh, you know, make, make my life about um, just uh, I, uh, loving the, the, the moment. I, I was really trying to, to live like that. Do you know what I mean? Right, <laughs> totally. Spiritual books. I just, just loving the moment and being in the moment and here's the ocean and wow, I live in LA. Nobody walks in the street here. Um, it's very, it's, it's all a big new experience. There were a few years in there where I just felt like I was, I was shifting into a different person because all I knew was New York and yet trying to keep myself as grounded as I could. Did things change? Like when you said, like it was a horrible explosion when the Brat Pack article came out. I mean, was that just like, wait, what is this? And why is this term being used? And where did this come from? It was, it was awful because it was, uh, um, first of all, it was a construct, right? It was a setup. Um, how that whole thing happened, which I, I really don't want to go into that much, but it was. Um, and then it was just such a, a flippant sort of title, but I could feel um, there was this weird energy going. I could feel sort of this, this tide turning against the group of us as in too famous, too fast, too much, too fast, something I could just sort of feel it in the air. And then there was a lot less, um, hanging out of this particular group that would go on. I, I, I felt like everything had been um, fun and joyful and suddenly everything got very stressful overnight. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, hindsight is twenty twenty, so it's easy to look back and say, oh, wow. But when you were working on The Breakfast Club, you were there with your co-stars, John Hughes. Like, could you tell, like, this was going to be a movie that, you know, would define teen angst for generations and years and lifetimes to come so we i i don't think any of us had no we had no idea that it was going to have this life that it has had that was a complete surprise and it's still surprising to me that it just has this ongoing life um no nobody had any idea at all um it was really wildly wonderful to work on it because we were in one set the five of us all the time, pretty much living together in a hotel. I love John Hughes. Um, I felt completely trusted by him. We got to mess around and improv and he trusted us. Um, it was just a completely different experience than what I had had earlier. It was, I mean, I think it was only my fourth movie, but something like that, but it was, it was different. And after that, I mean, the, the remaining years of the eighties, it was never, I never had an experience like the breakfast club again. Really? Yeah. 
you would say it was like your most special experience out of all your 80s movies? Well, it was just so unique. It was just um, a group of actors. We were at like our little company. Um, and it was only about these five actors in this one set with John directing and D.D. Allen editing. So thank God. Um, and it, it's not like that. I mean, usually when you're filming, it's a location and there's, you know, a big studio and there's there's a whole there's a whole bunch, there's a whole other framework going on. Right. This was just us creating the movie and the scenes all together. It felt like John was part of the cast. Um, I, I, I just, I haven't, I haven't had, it, it has never been quite like that again. Wow. Well, one thing that stands out to me is the 80s fashions. Yes. <laughs> what was your, do you have a favorite like 80s fashion that you loved back then? And I mean, they were so unique. I loved, I loved what was going on with the, the Allison look. You know, I love I love the goth thing. Um, I love the long sweaters and the high tops and the kind of you know um, you know gender fluid sort of look uh, that was happening around at least what I was doing. Um, but I, but also, I mean, the eighties were very high fashion, right? Everybody's hair suddenly got really big. Totally. Oh, I've seen some of these pictures. Oh my god. Everyone's hair was just huge. Lots you know? of neon colors. Yes. Acid wash everything. Yes. Were you into like music, like quote unquote goth music that, you know, like The Cure and Depeche Mode, like stuff you would think that Allison would listen to? I, yeah, I love The Cure. Um, I was listening to a lot of David Bowie when we were doing the movie. Um, for some reason, it was an Allison thing. Um, I... I I, it was a lot of, uh, for Allison, it was a lot of, it was some of the, the, the grunge stuff coming in a little bit, like the 80s version of that. Um, but it was, um, Allison was a lot of classic rock, I gotta say. A lot of, uh, and a lot of stuff from the late 70s, maybe it was the 80s when she was still listening to that. Right. You know? Yeah. Are there any styles from the 80s that you could just do without? Like, would it be the big hair? Or is there something that sticks out of like, why did we ever do this? I, I think the hair got too big at a certain point. At a certain point, I think there I think there was too much hair everywhere. You know, just too much. The the and the rock music and the act every, everywhere you went, somebody had this enormous. <laughs> there was too much hairspray in the eighties. How about that? That's that's a very valid point. What about <laughs> how was working with John Hughes? I mean, you know, you hear so much about John Hughes. Like, what what was it really like to work with him? He was lovely. Um, I only had the one experience, um, with him as a director. I worked with him again where he was a producer, um, years later, but as a director, I loved him. I felt like he, I, I felt trusted by him. That's a huge thing because a lot of the time working on a film, there's, there's not always a feeling of being trusted by the director. Um, right. in that case, absolutely. He didn't want to change anything about me at all. He let me um, figure out with him the way that Allison would look. And there are all sorts of little improv things in there that I just felt free to make things up. Um, her physicality or this or that or the other thing. It, I felt safe. Um, hard to describe. But I think, I think everyone did. Um, 
and John would, um, you know, the cameras would, everything was different back then, but um, he would sit right on a little box right underneath the camera. So it was, it was almost like he was in the scene with us, do you know? And, and he would laugh and he would love it. And it, it felt like he, we were this circle and he was in there, even though he wasn't on camera. He wasn't in another room watching something on a monitor or doing something like that. Do you know what I mean? He was always right in there. And some of the, the improvs in that movie just came from his particular sense of humor and the freedom that he gave all of us. That's so interesting that you were able to like kind of craft the look and like the backstory and a lot of that. Yes. Yes. And the, um, the costume designer, um, Marilyn Vance was also super open and creative and fun. Um, he somehow or other, I, Ned Tannen was producer on it. Somehow they, they, they put together this group of people that were just, um, not controlling that were open and creative. And I think that's part of what you get in the movie, you can feel that. I didn't feel like somebody was trying to control anything. You know, wow. there was liberation in it. I'll admit it. As important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority and I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all in one shakes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. I take my beauty and skincare products very seriously. And not only do I want my beauty and skincare products to work, but I want them to smell good. And that's where I've had problems in the past, where I've used fragrance beauty products. Now, the problem is a lot of them have toxic ingredients, which it's not just that they're toxics, it causes a negative reaction on your skin. I have broken out. I found that I'm allergic to a lot of products, and that is where my problem lies. Well, let me tell you something. I've discovered Lather. Lather offers daily natural skincare and wellness that help you feel real, all made with zero synthetic fragrance. They smell delicious and they're not toxic. I'm a regular user of their cactus flower and aloe gentle face scrub. It's gentle, but it's effective. It makes my skin feel so soft and radiant and it kind of shines. At night, I use the Radiant Recovery Sheet Mask. I find that I wake up kind of glowing. The products work, they smell amazing, and they're made with zero synthetic fragrance. What more could you want? Now, you, as a listener of this podcast, can get 15% off your order with code VELVET at lather.com slash velvet. That's lather.com slash velvet. Use code VELVET for 15% off.
That's awesome. I know you said mm-hmm. recently, like the one thing, like you did disagree with John on and like, that was the most uncomfortable part for you was like at the end when like Allison, like put the bow in her hair and put on makeup. Walk me through that. Um, so that was in the script. Um, she gets transformed into this sort of like princess thing happening. Um, I, I, I would have, I, I don't feel like that was a necessary thing in the script, but it was part of the, um, it was part of the eighties, you know, uh, sort of rom-com kind of thing that was going on. Um, I think what he actually, he agreed with me. Um, so this was more of a, a thing where the, this was something that the studio wanted and he had written it. Um, but he let me, I had all this black eyeliner on and things for Allison that were part of what she would look like was armor. Right. And he did let me change it to that instant. Molly is actually taking some of that, um, heavy duty, uh, you know, (laughs) scary makeup off of Allison. So I was trying to think of it as more of like an uncovering. Do you know what I mean? She takes off that enormous black sweater and suddenly, you know, there's actual person in there. Um, something about being able to come out of the the hiding really that she had there so to get an element of that in and he and he really did go there with me it was much more of a makeover thing when it was originally written so um it 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 did evolve that makes sense and that really was where Allison kind of ended up that we saw I mean she kind of stripped away the armor of her yeah, I get the hair out of the face and, you know, just suddenly start to see this person emerge from what was, did feel to me like armor, but at the same time, you know, aesthetically I like the armor better. So <laughs> what are you going to do? Who doesn't like us? I, I'm all about the goth look. So yes, check yeah. yes. What about like Breakfast Club is such a beloved movie by so many people, but you know, then like it has fallen under these like criticisms, like these themes of like, you know, sexism and misogyny and, you know, like just in the relationships between the characters, like, how do you think, what do you think of that? And like, how does it stand up today? Today? Yeah, I think it's, I think there are some cringe moments in it. I haven't seen it, mind you, for a very, very long time. Um, Yeah, I think, I think there, there are, Definitely. I know that there are, there, there are moments that are like sex, sexist and questionable. And um, I, that's what I mean. Like there is this, this very dated kind of thing, very 80s dated that's in that movie, which is, um, again, I haven't seen it for years, but it is one of the things that surprises me about people still loving it even now. Um, so somehow it manages to rise above that crap. I, I don't know how, or, or I don't know, but yes, uh, to answer your question. Yes. The, true. That is actually, that, that is an aspect of the movie that's problematic. Yes. And yes. And that's kind of like, in a way why it's such a great movie. Cause like, it's problematic and you know it, but like, it still is so beloved. Like you can't, you watch this and you're like, it's brilliant. You know what I mean? And like the performances are brilliant. You're like, it's just an it's interesting dichotomy. Bag. Yeah. It's a mixed bag. Yeah. It's such sure. an interesting dichotomy. What about, I mean, I know you've been open about this in the past, like when something like that, like spills over into your real life. Like I know you've said early on in your career, you were basically told like to change everything about yourself to like survive mm-hmm. in Hollywood and have a career. And you tried to work with a certain makeup artist and, you know, talk to me about that. Um, 
yeah, there was a, um, hmm. I, I don't know exactly what I was supposed to look like, um, but it was definitely, it was something that was different than what I was. So not having a clear understanding of what it was supposed to be, I was kind of floundering around. Um, I mean, now in my life, I'm just me and I don't care. And I've grown out of all that. But back then, especially if you were, um, you know, as a young woman and after there's this, there was this um, idealized kind of thing getting put on top of all of us. It wasn't just me um, about, you know, the way I looked and makeup and I should be sexy. And, you know, this thing about the weight went on forever. And I, I really, it was, um, it was confusing. Uh, all I, I, it started to make me feel like everything about myself was wrong. I was second guessing everything about myself physically. Um, and, and that's unfortunate. Uh, I, I think, I can't tell you that, that now for, for younger actors that it's changed. I think it's a bit different. I think there's more room for people who don't just try to look like a Barbie doll, but um, it's, 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 it was unfortunate. And it, it, it made me feel like I just couldn't quite live up to whatever that ideal of beauty was. Um, so it, 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 it ended up making me feel unbalanced and insecure about my looks and now when I have seen photos from back then I think what what was that about I mean I wasted so much time in my 20s so much time worrying about this nonsense you know this message that was coming I look at the pictures from back then and think I look perfectly fine why was there so much such a mess and such a drama about this completely unnecessary you know but then again, as you said, it's hindsight at the time. I thought, oh God, I got to live up to something and I don't know what it is. Like, what's that sentence? What's that saying? Like wisdom is wasted on the youth or whatever that sentence yes. statement is. It's so true. You're like, you look back and you're like, wait, like I was just fine back then. Like, what was I going through? Like, like, let me just reverse the hands of time today and go back there and know all this. And like, life would be it's so, amazing. It was so crazy. The nitpicking and the, I just, ugh. No, totally. complete waste of time gets in your head and it's, it's just utter nonsense. Yeah, totally. And you don't, you're not sure of where, like, have we come far? Cause I mean, I go to like things like, you know, like Ryan Murphy and Pose and like Shondaland and like, you look at all these different, like, you know, single drunk female, like look at all the different parts and then you mm-hmm. go to like, I don't know, like, you know, recently there was this picture like a Bridget Fonda that like surfaced and, you know, she looks different. It's, I mean, how many years later, no one's seen her. And, and even like when I interview people and like share a picture of whoever, whether, whatever the category is, I get comments like, oh, she looks so different. I mean, yeah, it's like 20 years later yeah. and you don't, I don't get that as much when I post like pictures of like the men that I interview. So it's right. like, have we come far? Like, is it different today? I mean, you look at all these shows that are so diverse in their casting, but then I don't know. I mean, I go back and forth, but you're in the business and you're an expert more than me. So I'm just glad that I'm, I'm 59 and I'm glad I am because they're just, it's, it's, I just don't have to live with that pressure. Um, the way that I used to, and yeah, there's going to be comments, I guess people make about, Oh, you know, you know, look how old somebody looks. I don't really, I'm not, I don't know the Bridget Fonda reference that you're making, but I, I, I do know that there's always a thing of 
oh, what does she look like now? Do you know what I mean? They want to see what you look like now. Um, I don't know that that happens so much with men. I have absolutely no idea, but I, I think probably it's, it's not quite as much pressure there. Yeah, that's, that's I don't know though. Maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm not sure either. What about social media? I mean, do you think it's easier with the existence of like TikTok and Instagram, like coming up in the business? Like, does that provide more opportunities to get your thing, YouTube and everything? Or is it like harder now? Because like you say, you were in your black hole and you don't want to read, you know, the inquire or everything from the eighties. Now it's like, I don't know. Does, how does that change the coming up in the business? Um, I, I'm not, I know that all the kids are online and all the kids are doing the TikTok and all of the different things. I know that, that you can use Instagram to promote something that you're doing that you could um, probably, I guess, make, make a little film and post it on there. I think there are positive aspects to um, being able to be online like that for young people coming out, being able to create their own content and you know, get their, get their work out there, get themselves out there on their own. There's a little bit more, um, um, I won't say ownership, but, uh, they, there's just a, um, I'm looking for a word. It's not coming to me, but it, there's, they have a, a more of a chance to just make things happen in that way. I think, um, I'm not, um, on social media now at all. Um, so I'm not really, but I have the, on Instagram, I look, I have a private Instagram account because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting myself out there trying to, you know, make ads for myself on Instagram, I'm way too old for all that. And I don't care, but I do go on there to see what the kids from the show are posting and to see what my son is posting. <laughs> like, unfortunately for him. Does, does your son know that you do this? Do the kids from the show yes, know that you do yes, this? Yes, yes, yes. I had to ask him if I could follow him, uh, if he would mind. And he said, yeah, as long as you don't, you know, don't give me any feedback that isn't <laughs> positive. I, I just, you know, everybody's got everything out there. Um, it's different than it used to be, but I do like seeing what he's doing, you know? So, I'll, so yes, I check him out. I was going to say, I know you're not on Instagram. Cause I, you know, once I knew we were sitting down, I'm like, you know, I, looked for you on Instagram. I'm like, Oh my God. And then I did another search. I'm like, wait a second. Like after three searches, you're like, Ali Sheedy is not on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. And it's just not for you. Like you would never like Jennifer Aniston joined after years, the whole world like celebrated. Like, it's just not for you. Instagram. It's, it's, it's not for me. It just, it feels like, I just feel like I've aged out of this, you know, I don't know how to make it work anyway. I don't know how you do anything on Instagram. So no, I just like looking at what other people do. You're better Just off. You're better off. I always say if it wasn't for this job here, like I'm on social media just for this job. If I, this job, like if I went away tomorrow, you would never see me online again. So I think right. you're better off. It's just, it's a yeah. lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about high art. Okay. When I, last night I was speaking to a friend of mine and I was on speakerphone. And when I told her that I was speaking to you today, her and her wife screamed on the top of their lungs, high art. And that's, they just were overwhelmed with excitement and all they wanted me to talk to you about was high art, but it was, I love high art. So what was that experience like? And like, you know, going from, like you said, like war games was huge and like the breakfast club saying almost fire, like to, you know, this little indie movie that turned out to be so, first of all, amazing and just critically acclaimed. And I mean, what was that like? 
Um, well, at that time, so this is like the late 90s, um, the indie film scene was really taking off. So um, there were a lot of super interesting creative things happening. All the, all the film festivals were new. Um, I think it was, it was different than it is now. Um, but yeah, the Lisa script, uh, Cholodenko script came along. I fell in love with that role. I really wanted to be able to play that part. I auditioned um, and then it worked out. Um, and it was, you know, there's a few jobs that you have. There's a few roles that will come along in a, in your, in a career. Um, at least for me, that would be my most favorite roles or films. That is certainly one of them. Um, also, again, working on the film was an absolute joy. The cast, Lisa, everybody, the writing, the way they were shooting it. It was just, I didn't know how the film was going to turn out, but I was um, loving every moment of playing Lucy. That's for sure. Anyone who knows me knows that I get bored so very easily, and that extends to every aspect of my life, including my workouts. I find the best way to stay motivated is to have variety in my workouts, and that's why I love Peloton. The variety really does help keep me motivated. You can do a bike workout, then you can do yoga, meditation, dance cardio. I'm actually really good at dance cardio, guys, if you can believe that. And there's a whole new artist series class where you can listen to music from one single artist. I choose Madonna more times than not, but you can also do a theme like pop or rock, hip hop, EDM. Peloton has everything. And Peloton has a workout for every day, every schedule. You can de-stress from a long day with 30 minutes of strength or 20 minutes of cardio or a 15 minute total body class before work or after work. It's great. Listen, visit onepeloton.com to learn more. That's onepeloton.com to learn more. Any highlights of that? Like just, is there any like fun thing from set or something that sticks out in your mind? Um, Patty Clarkson. <laughs> Patty Clarkson, Patricia Clarkson is so brilliant and so imaginative and so um, she could just has this wild freedom about her. I had so much trouble in some of the scenes with Patricia because she would just make me laugh or come up with some line. She that accent that she had and the whole um, that whole character, what she did with that whole character. But the the really fun moments. I remember a lot of things filming that I loved filming. But the moments that were that make me smile when I think about them are the moments when. Patty would just come out with something and it was impossible. It was almost impossible to just stay, stay in there because she's, she's hysterical. Wow. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't, your character wasn't exactly someone who was cracking jokes every other scene, you know, so. No. And the thing was, we would be in the rhythm with each other. It was in there with Lucy and the whole thing. And it was all working. It was all great. And then I would go off camera it was a close-up on patty and suddenly she would do something or have some moment and it was just it was just almost impossible to keep quiet i would be sitting there and lisa would be next to me just like shaking with laughter and trying not to make any noise that's so funny i know well, being from New York City myself, I have to say, I saw you at the James Street Theater Playhouse in Hedwig in oh. the Angry Inch. I was there. Oh, great. 
What was that like? I mean, you were the first woman to play this role. I mean, you know, when you think at this point, you know, of Ali Sheedy, you know, Brett, everything, but you don't think like, okay, this is like a, I call it like a rock opera, like this character, like how did this, how did this part come to you? What did you love about, like, talk to me about the Hedwig experience. So it was, um, ugh, there's so many different things going on there. Um, so I had been at Sundance for, um, I think it was the writers, screenwriters workshop. I'm not sure, but anyway, um, John Cameron Mitchell was there developing Hedwig into a, into a movie. Um, into, into a movie. It was, I think it was a director's workshop, I'm not sure. Um, and we really got along and I watched um, the video of his uh, stage, of him as Hedwig um, and lo- I, you know, loved it. How can you not fall in love with him? Um, and so then I was asking, we were talking and he had this idea that it could be interesting if I tried it, um, the problem is that I just don't, I don't have that two things. One, I don't have that voice and Hedwig needs to have that rock voice. Right. So I did my best, but you know, it's, it's not there. And the other thing is now I understand that actually there was something that was, um, that, that was not okay about a woman playing that part, which has to do with gender and transgender and a whole other thing going on that I under, I have a lot more insight into it now, but at the time I, I really didn't. So, you know, all sorts of mixed bags in there. I wish I had, I wish I had a rock opera voice, but I loved, I loved the monologue. Um, it was, it was, it, it was, it took a big leap of faith to play that part. It took a lot of courage. I thought you were great at it. So I don't know what you're talking about. I thought, I mean, thank I, you so much. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Would you, I mean, like to your point, like you said, you know, cause I didn't necessarily even, but would you not take the role now? Like if you were offered it just because of all these, like you mentioned, like the transgender issues and like a different understanding. I don't of think it. that, that an offer for that would come along. I think that people are much more uh, sensitive to the larger cultural story. I mean, obviously John is right in the mix there. And it wasn't something that was a problem for him, but I did know of reading some different things and understanding some things at the time that there was a problem with that um, politically and in, 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 you know, in the world of off Broadway and gender fluid, gender queer, transgender community. Um, but now I understand it a lot more. I don't think that, someone would cast a woman as a, a role of a transgender male to female part. I, it doesn't, that doesn't fly anymore. I understand why, you know, that makes sense to me. And I would probably yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Do you want to do like, do you like live theater? Like is theater something you want to do more of? I mean, you're busy with this great show, which we're going to talk about in a second, but like, is that something you're, you'd like to do? I don't love being on stage, actually. Um, I really love being on a on a film set. That's where I, I feel comfortable. Um, I've I've done it. I've done some plays. I did this and that. I I don't love it. Um, I have lots of friends and colleagues who adore theater and being on stage. Um, it's just kind of not my thing. I'm happier on a set. And it's inexplicable, but that's just what it is. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I know so many actors and actresses that are doing so much TV and movies and they're like, man, I just wish that I had a moment to just do some live theater and fit it in there. And yeah, yeah. I know. I wish I felt that way, but I (laughs) have to be honest. Interesting. 
will talk to me about single drunk female. Like I said, I love this freaking show. How did this come about for you? Like, how did you, how did you get involved? Um, it's, I love the show too. And it starts with the writing. Um, write it off starts with the writing. It's wonderful writing. Um, so Simone Finch, um, had written the pilot for it. Um, she's, it's, she's a writer. It's very much Simone's story. Uh, and she and Jenny Connor and Leslie Headland and Phil Trail, just, that was the original group. And then Daisy Gardner came on later as showrunner. But the, the script, I read the script for the pilot and I met with, uh, via Zoom, uh, Jenny and Simone and Leslie. Um, and look, I, I fell in love with Carol right away just from that first script and the dynamic that was right there already between Carol and Sam, who is Sophia's character. Um, I, it, I, I, these, are the, these are the women, these are the people I've always wanted to work with. You know? Jenny, Leslie, and Simone. <laughs> yeah. Just, I was, so when we were in the meeting, I was thinking, this is, this is, these are people I wanted to work with these women for such a long time. And here's this wonderful script. So it was just a gift that it came along. And Sophia is, Sophia is just a dream. You know, she's just a dream of an, of an actor. She's just wonderful. So th- that's the show really works because of her. <laughs> Did you, I mean, look, you've been in this business, you're a professor. Have you, did you learn any, learn stuff from Sean Penn? Did you learn anything from Sophia? I mean, even though you have so many more years in this business than her? Of course, because we're figuring out the, this mother-daughter relationship together every moment that we're in a scene together. The, the relationship is becoming more refined. It's getting more complex. It's evolving. You know, the dynamic is, is in constant growth. Um, yes. So there's no way for me to be able to find Carol the way that Carol has come to life. If it wasn't for what Sophia was doing. I mean, it's not, you know, a separate character here, a separate character there. It's that dynamic. And so much of that is her. It's so easy to play off of Sophia. So yeah, I learned a ton from her all the time. Your guys scenes are great. So much fun. (laughs) There's, there's so much fun. And like, they're, it's, it, they're both great characters. And like, it is a ball. It's like every, it's not staying stagnant already. Like there's, you guys have gone through so much and it's like, that's really, I think the realistic portrayal of someone that goes to recovery and then goes on, tries to go on with her life. I mean, there are ups and downs, right? Yes. Yes. And it's a complicated mom and it's a complicated daughter and it's very, there's a lot of friction there, um, which is what's so much fun to play, honestly. Do you like playing, quote unquote, the mom? I mean, this is a fun, this is a great part. I like playing this mom. I like playing this character. Uh, the relationship with, as Carol, the relationship with my daughter is the most important relationship in my life, even though it's the relationship I have the most conflict within and about right so she comes back in samantha that uh, sophia black um is playing samantha so when samantha comes back in it it turns my entire world upside down and we're in a house together so somehow or other we have to interact with each other um 
that that's the whole series for me. I know there's all these storylines, but my my stuff is really Sophia. Yeah. Know? And again, she's an absolute dream. So I was really happy working on the show. I love it. You've met everyone in the business. You've met so many people. Do you ever get starstruck? Are you the type to like get starstruck when you meet people? Um, not so much. Not, not, not really, not really so much. I don't think so. I get happy to meet people, but I don't think I feel trying to think, is there anybody I'm trying to think somebody I haven't met that I would get starstruck about meeting. Um, and nothing's coming to mind. Is that really horrible? No, it's not like you've worked in the business and like, it's, you know, you love your job, but it's a job and like, everyone's a human being. And, you know, I would be starstruck if I met Michelle Obama. Okay. That would, you know, I would be starstruck by her. There it's, you it's go. a little, not so much of the actors, I don't think. I don't know. There you go. Uh, that makes sense. What about, do you keep in touch with like, you know, people from, you know, the 80s, like Molly Ringwald and all of those folks? I'm, I love Molly. So Molly's the one I'm in most consistent touch with. Uh, I just think she's great. She's turned into just a great, wonderful woman and mother and um we get along really well and I'm always really happy when I see her. She's not living in the city, so I don't get to see her that much, but um, we also have this history that I don't have with anybody else. So it just, there's, there's just a very cool uh, energy that happens when I get to be with her. Totally. Did you ever, I mean, like you said, you're 59 now, like we're, I mean, your career is amazing, but like in that middle, like after the eighties movies, did you ever like, look, this is just how the business works, right? Like you, to a certain generation of people you say Ali Sheedy they immediately think Molly Ringwald and vice versa even though you are much different actresses yeah. you had much different but like did that ever like grade on you or just like oh you know I'm more than just my 80s no you're shaking no, your head no because the breakfast club is just such a gift you know and I love all those people I love them um so no, it, it, it doesn't. I, I, I can't imagine what my life would be like without Breakfast Club having happened. Obviously, this is the only life experience that I can share with you. But um, no, it's, 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 a, it, it's, it's, I have great fondness and love for the movie. Um, and it, there is just a kind of special, strange something that happens when I get to hang out with Molly because it just isn't anybody else in my life um, that, lived through that you know only her so there's something there that's just specific it's just unique that makes sense other than the breakfast clubs you have a favorite molly ringwald movie oh wow you know what molly is so different in every single thing that she's done um what was the movie she did with Andrew? Um, is it called All the Pretty Horses? Yeah. Yeah. She's great in that. Or um, Fresh Horses. Fresh Horses, I think. I think it's all, is it? Or All the Pretty Horses? I'm not sure. You can look horses? it up. I thought it was Fresh Horses, I, I, but maybe I, I'm I wrong. No, no, no. But I, Molly can play some really, really dark, complicated characters. And I like it when she goes in that direction. Um, she can she can pretty much do anything she can read the phone book but um so I always love seeing her 
uh, in whatever she's doing. But I think, I think that I just, for some reason, that movie sort of stayed with me. So it's, that was a good one. What about, I read somewhere, is this true that you were, you passed up the role to play the lead in Top Gun? Is that true? So that's smushy. Um, for a long time, I thought that was true, but now I feel like I'm not really sure. I, I know that it was down to sort of the end there, talking to everybody about doing it. Um, but I can't actually say that, oh, you know, it was going to be me, but then it ended up being Kelly McGillis because Kelly McGillis also was fabulous in the movie. So I can't really say that for a while. I thought that, but now I think I might've been really a little bit off base with that. So I should correct the record um, for sure. And at that same time, the Top Gun was happening. Also, uh, Short Circuit was getting off the ground, and I really wanted to do that movie. So I, I, I think I, I think I've been smushy with this. I have to, I have to be honest about that. I don't really know. That's a fair answer. Were you ever? <laughs> did you ever? Well, did you ever pass up any other role or get really close to a role that like everyone could say, "Oh my God, that was almost Ali Sheedy." I love those stories. I know. I'm trying to think. Hmm. No, I know that there's roles that I've wanted that um, I didn't get close to, but um, I don't think so. I'm trying to come up with something good for you here, but I, nothing's coming to mind. Like what's one role that maybe you didn't get close to that you just really were like, this is such a great part. I really want this one. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. See, you weren't, <laughs> you weren't reading the Inquirer and all those things. And I was like there in the eighties, like salivating over every word. Like I understand the words were probably not true, but I still went there. There, there. there were roles that everybody wanted that only one person got. And it, it's probably a lot of, uh, of women my age could think through the decades of what those roles were. And we were all probably in the same boat with that. There's that, not, there's more than just one. Yeah. That makes sense. Is there a part of this business, like you've done, like I said, when we started so much, like, is there a part of this business that you want to still do that you haven't tried? I mean, I can't think of anyone I think of you, but I mean, there maybe there is. No, I don't want to be a director. Everybody wants to be a director. I don't, um, you know, to try to maybe get something off the ground as a producer on something. Maybe the truth is I just really like being an actor. I like my job. I love having this job. I love going to work. I love having a script that's beautifully written. Um, I love being collaborative with people. I like to work on this show because um, as I figure out Carol, that they were very, the whole creative team is very collaborative with me. Um, obviously it's this first season and this, these characters are evolving. Um, I love that back and forth and they really are that way. The whole creative team on this show is, is just really generous with the actors. So that makes me happy. I feel like I can go places with Carol because of that. I think there's so much to Carol. Like this could go, like, I hope this show goes on forever. Well, yeah, me many, many years. <laughs> Well, talk to me, talk to me about being a professor that you do from your kitchen via Zoom. How did this, how did I teach this my class right here, just like I'm talking to you um, since we went online in 2020. Um, I have a, it's a class at City College, which is a campus of City University of New York. Um, the kids in the 
uh, department of theater and speech. So I'm teaching um, mostly it's theater actors um, teaching an on-camera class. So we're messing around with how do they shift over and figure out their work on camera. It's 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 really a workshoppy, fluid, fun kind of class. Um, and I love my students. I just fall in love with them. So do the students come in and say, oh my God, that's Allie from Breakfast Club. Like, do, do they know, quote unquote, who you are? Um, some of them do, and some of them don't. It doesn't really come up right away at the top. Some kids take the class, they have no idea. Um, some kids decide after they start the class, yeah, they're going to stick with the class, so they Google me. Um, and then some kids know already when they come in. And I, I'm never really sure until they start actually asking questions. Um, or texting me because we text, uh, and then I, and then, but mo- you know, mostly it's it really is about what, how do they they want to? We're working on scenes and we're working on all the creative stuff, but the questions are usually about being on a set, technical logistics. Um, what is it like to you know walk on a set? How do they film this? How do they film that? All sorts of stuff that I, that I wish I actually knew that I learned on the job. And they all are right at the age I was when I was starting. So there's something really, not really exciting, but really fulfilling for me about that. Is there one piece of advice that you feel that people want from you the most, you know, having been in the business for so many years? I think, um, well, I talked to the kids about it and do you mean advice that they want to have? Yeah. You know, like, oh, you know, you've been in the business and because they're one thing they want to know from you more than other parts of the business. They, they base, what they really want to know is how to, um, I, I put it into this, this phraseology. It's not what they say, but it, there's a way that you, they can, as actors, trust themselves, um, you know, sit there in the, in the power and the talent and the creativity that they have. Um, I want them to go to work feeling empowered within the, their, their own selves um, so that they don't have all this stuff coming at them. I don't want them to walk on a set and feel like they don't know what they're doing. Do you know? I want them to feel like set. So that, that they can sense. be empowered. And that's, we, we work on that a lot. We talk about that a lot. That makes sense. Before we wrap up two very, one very quick question, and then I just want to say goodbye. But if there was another movie or TV show or something that came along that was offered to you and it happened, like, just say I mean, that the casting was everyone that was in the breakfast club. They want you and Molly and, and all five of you. Do you think like, and the script was great, but it's, it's not the breakfast, just something totally different. Do you think that would be like something great? Or I mean, is that like, can we really, I mean, is that like jumping the shark? Can we really do another movie? We wouldn't together? do it. I, we wouldn't do it. it. It would feel like trying to recreate something that happens, uh, no matter what the script would be. Um, I just don't, I don't think, right. I don't think it would happen. Uh-uh. I mean, that's what I would think. Yeah, but, I would just feel too. I mean, and I can't even think of what that would be. And before yeah. we would go, I just want to say, like, as, you know, a self-respecting gay man, the way that you handled your son's transition and just, you know, was so 
just it's a it's a textbook for I mean parents out there everywhere really I mean that sincerely thank you he he I learned that from him from him he was I learned how to um how to love him and be there for him and support him from him do you know what I mean it wasn't like there was some textbook that I was reading thinking you know this is the way you have to handle this and that you know if your kids in transition I, I just learned his his attitude has always been um, he loves me. This is what he's his life is. This is where his life is going, and that it's actually on me to educate myself um, so that I can show up for the relationship. This is very much back, though. I mean, he's really he's really strong that way. Um, and and I did. I wanted to be as close to him as possible, even without being able to really in in very deep detail understand exactly what he was going through but I wanted him to feel safe and secure with me and and in my love for him um and that's that's how it's unfolded but it's it's they have to take the lead like the kid has to take the lead and you need to learn from them and not impose yourself on them that's that's such good advice well listen single drunk female everyone needs to watch this I, this is my job. I speak to a ton of people every week, but I just want to tell you this truly, truly for me was a personal chat. Like I ah, like, thank you, David. I loved it. I thank, loved it. thank you for doing this. And single drunk female is phenomenal. I'm going to be watching Carol is everything. And I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you so, so, so much. Anytime. Take care. Thank you so much, Allie. Bye. Honey. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review. Because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones. And the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.